0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning, and uh, welcome to the fourth fourth uh, week of our Summer Psalms series. Uh, before we jump into our psalm today, I just want to make sure to invite you next Sunday and the Sunday after. Uh, Pastor Holly will be sharing the last two sermons of our Summer Psalms series, And I know it's going to be way better than anything you've ever heard before. No pressure, Pastor Holly. (laughs) But for today, we are going to take a look at a psalm that is really unique in that it gives a pretty cool description of God's house. Okay? Today, we're going to look at Psalm 48. And we're actually going to use Psalm 48 as a springboard to talk about God's presence throughout Scripture. So we're going to actually go through quite a lot of Scripture, but we're using Psalm 48 as kind of our foundation and the springboard for uh, talking about God. So I'm going to read all of Psalm 48 for us. It's 14 verses, and you will see this on the, on the screen. <clears throat> Starts, how great is the Lord, how deserving of praise, In the city of our God, which sits on his holy mountain, it is high and magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, the holy mountain, is the city of the great king. God himself is in Jerusalem's towers, uh, revealing himself as its defender. The kings of the earth joined forces and advanced against the city, but when they saw it, they were stunned. They were terrified and ran away. They were gripped with fear, gripped with terror, and writhed in pain like a woman in labor. You destroyed them like the mighty ships of Tarshish, scattered by a powerful east wind. We had heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it for, we have seen it ourselves, the city of the Lord's, city of the Lord of heaven's armies. It is a city of our God, and he will make it safe forever. O God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. As your name deserves, O God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. Let the people on Mount Zion rejoice. Let all the towns of Judah be glad because of your justice. Go inspect the city of Jerusalem. Walk around and count the many towers. Take note of the fortified walls and tour uh, all of the citadels that you may describe them to future generations for that is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever and he will guide us until we die. I love it. That's Psalm 48. What a great psalm. There's so much in there, uh, but I want to just kind of focus in on a couple of things. If you remember from last week, we looked at Psalm 90. And Psalm 90, we uh, talked—it actually talked a bit about the idea of God being our home. Do you remember that? Psalm 90 was attributed to Moses, the perennial wanderer, the man who, for his entire life, uh, didn't have a home. And the first line of Psalm 90, the very first line, he writes this—do you remember? Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. And just knowing who wrote it and knowing that he wrote this, it's powerful just from line number one. Uh, And he goes on to say, before the mountains uh, were born, uh, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from beginning to end, you are God. You are our home. We talked about the idea that Moses wanted the people to know that God would always be their permanent, immovable, unshakable, eternal dwelling place where they could always be in his presence, no matter what. So now Psalm 48 was originally used as a hymn or a song uh, about, uh, of the people about God's presence. The idea that God made his home in Jerusalem. It's pretty cool. It was known as one of the songs of Zion, whose subject is the importance and meaning of Jerusalem and the Lord's relation to his people in the world. In other words... It's a psalm, a song of celebration that the Lord made His home here on earth. And at first it was understood as being in Jerusalem and in the temple, but always with His people. So one of the coolest things about the story of Scripture is that you see God interacting with humanity and some version of connection and what that looks like going from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So I want to track this idea uh, of God's presence through the psalms to our time today because it's significant. One of the main points that I want to make today is that we absolutely need to prioritize time uh, in the Lord's presence, because as we'll see, you and I have a significant part to play when it comes to God's presence in our time here on this earth. This is important that we realize this, and it's powerful. So Psalm 48, I love this, it begs the reader, it begs you and me to spend some time walking around the city, right, to to staring at the temple, taking in all of its detail, and letting your heart be in awe at what it means that the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is victorious and will always be present. Have you ever thought about that? I love this, this idea of just walking around the city and staring taking in all the details. I love that. I mean, I I think it's sometimes, maybe it's not for you, but I think sometimes it's rare for us to be able to focus so much on the idea of the presence of God. Obviously, it's it's easy to understand the idea of staring at a temple, looking at all of that. But we have to understand Psalm 48 understands that temple as God's presence. It said again, We had heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it for ourselves. The city of the Lord's heaven's armies. It is the city of our God. He will make it safe forever. Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Do you remember that from last week, Psalm 90, the idea of unfailing love? That was in Psalm 90 as well. We also talked about the idea that that can be translated as loving kindness. But that word is, is, uh, is, talks about God's uh, priority of loyalty to his relationship with his people. That he will always be loyal in his relationship. Your loving kindness. We meditate in your, your priority of loyalty as we worship at your temple. And your name, as your name deserves, O oh God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. And then this is what we kind of are talking around about here. Let the people of Mount Zion rejoice. Let the towns of Judah be glad because of your justice. Go inspect the city of Jerusalem. Walk around and count the many towers. Take note of the fortified walls and tour all the citadels that you may describe them to future generations. For that is what God is like. He is like our God forever and ever, and he will guide us until we die. So this reminds me of another psalm. We're kind of meandering around the psalms here for a moment or two and talking about the idea of God's presence. Just a few psalms earlier in Psalm 48. We actually looked at this psalm, I think it was last summer. Psalm 84, sorry, uh, 84 verses 1 through 4 says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. We have a song about this, right? (laughs) We sing about this. My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. We looked at at this, I think it was last summer, Psalm 84. It's actually a psalm that's told from the perspective of a pilgrim. Uh, who has come to Jerusalem during a festival and is now getting ready to go home and does not want to. (laughs) Isn't that cool? This pilgrim has met God in the temple and the encounter has changed his life and he doesn't want to leave. I think often we read this psalm uh, as an expression of wanting to go to the place where God is. And we should want to go to the place where God is. How lovely is your dwelling place. I long for, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord but it's actually a psalm of longing to remain in the presence of God. And just in case you don't get how much uh, the psalmist likes being there, he comments, I love these little details, he comments on some birds, and he imagines how amazing would it be to, to be like them to remain at the temple. I wish I could be like those birds who could just make a nest on the temple and never leave this place. Isn't that a cool detail? I hope that this is capturing and gripping your heart and your imagination for what it means to be in the presence of God. Dwelling in God's presence should be a focus of our life as followers of Jesus, as followers of God. Because as we go back to Psalm 48, it actually lets us know that we have a a role to play, uh, a part uh, in sharing God's presence for future generations. I love that last line Uh, There, go inspect the city, walk around, look at all the details, take notes of the fortified walls and citadels, and that you may describe them for future generations, saying, this is what God is like. Think about that. (laughs) Do you know the presence of the Lord so well that you can describe for future generations, this is what God is like? I think that's pretty incredible, that he will guide us, Until we die, he will always be with us. One commentator that I read uh, wrote this. Uh, All the references in the Psalms to Jerusalem, the temple, Mount Zion, and so forth, are at the deepest level longings for the presence of God. And Here's the cool thing, that the new Jerusalem that's described does not contain a temple. (laughs) Isn't that cool? So this is a turning point in our thinking for this morning. What this means is that as we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, how the presence of God looks on this earth begins to change. And this is where it gets real exciting for you and for me. Uh, eventually, the temple in Jerusalem gets completely destroyed and never rebuilt. But that doesn't mean that God's presence is gone from the world, right? Right? God is fully committed to keeping his promise to be with his people. And then he does something that nobody expected. John 1, 14 in the message, I love the way it says this, that the word, God, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Look at these connections. We saw your glory with our own eyes. Does that sound familiar? We've been to the city of God and we've seen it. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Look at how the New Living Translation puts this. So the Word became human and made His home among us, and He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. There is the loving kindness, unfailing love, a direct connection, the same idea from these Psalms that we've talked about. So he's made his home with us. He is full of his unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the father's one and only son. I'm getting goosebumps. I mean, I know we know this. But when you make this connection. As you track it from the Old Testament. It's like, whoa. Whoa. Colossians, we just got done with a series from Colossians. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Just incredible. Jesus became the living temple of God, walking around on the earth, teaching us and showing us what God is like and how we should live. That is why we prioritize time to study Jesus, to be in the Word, to study the Scriptures, to pray together, to gather, to be open to growth and change as He teaches us what God is like and how we should live. Because as we study Jesus, we are heeding these words of Psalm 48. We're going to keep reading this. You're probably going to get tired of it, but it's important we make these connections. We've heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it for ourselves. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Incredible. So what does it say at the end here? Walk around, count the towers, get to know his teachings, his voice, his face. Take note of the fortified walls. Look at his faithfulness. Two are the citadels. So that you may describe to future generations, this is what God is like. And he will be with us forever and guide us until we die. Incredible connections from Old Testament to New Testament. And I hope you're getting inspired. I hope you're being challenged by this. Because here's the cool part. It doesn't stop there. God's presence on this earth doesn't stop with Jesus when he ascended into heaven. After Jesus' death and resurrection, just before he's about to send ascends to heaven. He looks at his disciples and he looks at all of us and says, "Okay, everyone, you're up. It's your turn. When I leave, you will be filled with my spirit and you will become my the home of my presence here on earth." And at the end of the gospel of Luke, when Jesus is talking with his disciples just before he leaves, He says this, Yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah should suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It is also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Wow. From then on, the home of God became you and me, not only as individuals, but as a community of people made in the image of God and filled with His very Spirit. As we sit here today, that is true of us. (laughs) 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. I said we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. We're going through a lot of Scripture. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Just a few verses later, you are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people, stamped by his spirit, (laughs) a living temple. 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that spirit of God lives in you? It doesn't get any clearer than that, right? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Wow. So, Psalm 48 is a song of remembrance about God's presence among the people. It calls us to walk around and to stare at him, thinking about how he is both victorious and that he keeps his promise for generation after generation, and that he is always with us. You have, you have heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it for ourselves, the city of the Lord uh, of heaven's armies. It is the city of our God, and he will make it safe forever. Oh God, we, uh, we meditate on your unfailing love, and we worship as we worship in your temple. As we think about God's presence throughout the story of Scripture, as we think about how we are now the living uh, temple uh, where, where people can see God, we get the opportunity to put God on display My question to you this morning is, how are you putting God's presence on display in your life? Understanding that you are part of this living temple, what does that look like for you? How are your actions, your words, your daily routines, the way you treat people, the priorities of your life the compassion you have for others, the way you spend your resources? How are all of these things putting God on display, knowing that you are part of the living temple of God? <laughs> That's a challenging question, isn't it? We are made in the image, filled with the Spirit, and we are told that we are the living temple of God. If I asked people to walk around and take a detailed look at you, at your life, At my life, at us, what would they see? What would they say? Could we take a detailed look and then tell others for generations, this is what God is like? (laughs) What a hard question. As uh, Pastor Holly and I were uh, recording our, our discussion podcast about this this last week, we ended with that question. If people were to take a detailed look at my life, What would they see? And could I say to others, for generations, this is what it should look like. (laughs) Oh, we wrestled with that. There's a tension in that that is really uncomfortable, isn't there? (laughs) But again, we lean into the idea of being unsettled and being uncomfortable because it means that the Lord's Spirit is speaking to us. And we now have that opportunity to grow in our, our discipleship and faith. We recognize that we have work to do in in our discussion, and even now, I just, because I think I I'm, tend to be an optimist, <laughs> I, I want to resolve that tension for people as we think about this, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Because that's not my job to relieve that tension. Oh, I want to be able to say my life is a a great display of the Lord's Lord's faithfulness and work. And I know I've got work to do. I'm sitting in that tension. That's not my job to alleviate that. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful that Jesus knew that we would struggle our way forward. And so he promised to always be with us and to always help us. Amen. He promised to, to guide us along the way. It is a blessing and a privilege to be the hands and feet, sometimes the voice and the face of Jesus in our world today. There's nothing like being able to carry the hope-filled message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? We have heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it for ourselves. The city of the Lord's heavenly armies. It is a city of our God, and we will make it, he will make it safe forever. God, we meditate in your unfailing love as we worship at your temple. As your name deserves, oh God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth because your strong right hand is filled with victory, and you will never leave us. Incredible. As we end our time together, I want to invite the worship team to come on up uh, as we end our uh, time together this morning, we have a really cool opportunity to enter into a time of communion. And I think this is just so poignant and so appropriate for us as we are thinking about the presence of God from Old Testament to New Testament, that we get to pause at the very embodiment of God in, in the world, in history, and think about what Jesus has done for us. It's because of Jesus' death and sacrifice That we can be sitting here today uh, free, free of our sin, full of life, filled with the Spirit. And so we're going to do that. We're going to pause and think about the presence of God, not only in the person of Jesus Christ, but in what He's done for us now. Through this sacred act, we remember Jesus' death and, and sacrifice. We celebrate His salvation for us. We revel in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we are encouraged to go from this room into the world to put God's love, his compassion, and his new life on display as the living embodiment, the living temple in this world. Does that sound something like, you want, you want, do you want to be part of that? you want to do that? I sure do. Let's pray, and then we'll move into a time of communion.